Hello, I'm Jane Daly and this is my podcast for people who know. As an independent thought leader, coach and work-life advocate, I'm curious about people who are accelerating their work and life. And whilst finding their own balance, they have also found time to to inspire others to do the same. My interest in Adrian Hale started when Adrian approached me at a conference to discuss my research. And since that point, we've been debating all things people development since then. Adrian, it's my absolute pleasure to welcome you today. I really appreciate the intro, Jane, and um, you know, really happy and looking forward to speaking about all things kind of coaching and, and development today. And, and me back to you is obviously I approached you at that event. And um, what's always stood out to me is um, just your desire really to think differently about like learning and transformation and coaching. Uh, and actually, I think a big thing that uh, certainly inspired me from working with you is that you are always there to kind of think differently and challenge the status quo and that actually we can do things better, we can innovate and we can, we can change and go in the right direction. So that's something from, from me to you. Adrian, thank you so much. And um, we haven't caught up properly in a little while. So uh, tell me and the listeners what you're up to at the moment. Yeah, so I, uh, the last few things that I've been doing, when I um, changed and, and, and um, brought my business to life, which was a few years ago, um, what I've been doing is I first started doing some leadership work and, and some coaching uh, in a big tech company. Um, and then what I started to do then is actually work with um, professionals and coaches, so either aspiring coaches who want to start their own coaching business or actually established coaches um, who are out there in the world trying to do their work. Uh, and what I noticed is that so many people get into coaching for the love of coaching, right? So they absolutely love coaching. It's their purpose. They want to make this big impact. But the reality is, is that a lot of coaches out there are struggling because they have this love for coaching, but that they still want to run a business and what I noticed is lots of coaches were not showing up powerfully the best that they could. Uh, they were struggling with the business side, the performance side of the business, but also struggling with the performance side in coaching and showing up. Uh, and I've really been working with uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of people to help them perform in their coaching and also perform in their business. So a couple of people that I have been working with Uh, One is full-time employed, um, enjoys their job, but also wants to build a coaching business on the side. So I've helped them get their first four clients. So uh, that's, you know, really fulfilling and helping them actually get better at the arch of performance and coaching. Uh, And I've also been working with some some NLP and mindset coaches who who have got a bit stuck and, and, and lost their confidence a little bit because, you know, they've been in the game for a couple of years and helping them rejuvenate their purpose and you know, almost like transfer mold stories. So they're showing up again powerfully. So those are the couple of things that I've been doing, my, mainly my work. And obviously, like yourself, uh, expressing through, through a podcast. Absolutely. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But today we're going to be touching on um, something that you're very passionate about, which is awakening leadership. Yeah. Um, so are you ready to get in the time machine with me? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's open this door and go in the time machine. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a work-life time machine. So tell us what, what you see, Adrian, as we step into this time machine together. <laughs> when you first mentioned when you first mentioned time machine, I just I saw a phone box, a blue phone box outside from Doctor Who. I was like, <laughs> I thought we're gonna go and fight the Daleks or something like that. <laughs> you never know, you never know what we're gonna find. I think we'll make a pretty good team, actually. But... <laughs> I, 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 I agree, Adrian. It will be fun, definitely. So, uh, so you're seeing a bit of a Doctor Who thing going on here in, in this time machine for you, which is yeah. fascinating. Um, I love it. And um, I'm going to set the clock because um, I'm in control at the moment. I'll hand it over to you a bit later. But at the moment, I'm going to take us back to, um, to 2016. So let me set the clock on this time machine and take us back and let me set the scene to what was going on in 2016 which wasn't that long ago but actually when you read what was going on at the time it feels like it was a lot longer so um the big news in the uk was that um we'd had a vote a very important vote about whether we were going to uh, leave the eu or not and obviously all of us know that um 
that you and I are talking at the be very beginning of 2021, and we have now left the, the EU um, after um, a huge adventure uh, in that period. Donald Trump was elected uh, president, and the big films at the time were Captain America Civil War and uh, Star Wars Rogue One. Oh, wow. Fascinating films. And um, a big song at the time was um, Can't Stop the Feeling, with just by Justin Timberlake, which was made famous by the film Trolls. So that was what was going on at the time. But tell us what was happening for you in 2016. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned, uh, you know, the, 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 the EU and kind of moving from that conversation, because uh, one of the things that, that I read before coming uh, onto this show is that, and something that's really prevalent to me is that actually people not just in the world, but in, in organizations in life are looking for more of a sense of belonging. So moving away from that, the, the EU in, in my eyes, you know, our country is now searching again for that sense of belonging. So what was happening for me at that time, interestingly enough, I, I got to a, a point in my life where I, I was successful in the eyes of society. Um, you know, I was, I was a, a sales director, I played professional rugby, been in the army, when I got to the, a point in my life where I just felt completely lost and fulfilled and, and purposeless, basically. I'd done some coaching for about three or four years up until that point. But at that time, I just it was part of my job role. Um, and, you know, I, but I got to a point where I just lost who I was. And, and I got to this this pivotal moment where I thought, oh, I'm successful. I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I ever wanted to do. And I just felt, you know, un unhappy. So I decided to fly off to a place called Menorca, which is it's just an island. And I, I did some rugby coaching, just something completely different. And I decided to also build an online kind of um, coaching business on the side, uh, but wasn't taking it too seriously. And I was in Menorca. I was at a kind of like real pivotal moment in the middle of winter. It was like the film 28 Days Later. It was completely deserted. <laughs> and I was in this little flat overlooking the sea. Like it was cold and it was completely deserted. So I, I decided after about a week that I would really start working on myself. So I decided to do lots of work on myself, journaling, meditating, fitness. I was also coaching the team, so it gave me a focus, but really looking into what inspires me in life. What do I love doing? And then when I started to trace back and started to do a lot of that work, I realized that simply put is I love, love coaching and specifically really getting into the point where people are struggling and help them break through to a new reality, a new level of performance, almost in, in eyes, I suppose, awakening their self-confidence, awakening their leadership. So I carried on going on the 2016, um, this was coming into 2016. And then I decided at the time that I was so clear on my purpose that I needed to come back to the UK. Got an interview at Microsoft, got an interview at a company called um, Mindcast at the time and an interview at Reed Exhibitions. And I was turning up and delivering these great performances for the interviews and they didn't know what was happening. And I was turning up with this suit, you know, putting on my best performance. Uh, and then I ended up getting uh, one of the jobs uh, in Richmond. Um, which was kind of, two, this is why 2016 was such a pivotal moment because I almost went from nothing but just with, 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 with a purpose in mind. And then I was randomly traveling globally, doing all these coaching sessions with, with people, traveling business class, you know, just eating the best food. It was just, and I was just sat on the bus one day thinking, you know, how did this, this happen? Um, but it, it does show what it does show wherever you are in your career, whether ever you whether you're employed, self-employed, you can access that inner power and that conviction to to push through those those blocks, whatever those blocks are, and you can find that performance um, for yourself. And then, obviously, I'm doing that work that in, that inspires me. So that was uh, quite a pivotal point point in my life. And then I was global training manager for, 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 you know, for Reed Exhibitions, which are part of Relics Group, honing the art and mastering the art of coaching, learning and development. Although I had a lot of experience in that before, and I'd done a lot of the basics and design workshops and, 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 and done that as a sales manager and sales director and sales coach before, now I was actually really bringing all that skill to life. It's fascinating. I can feel a film coming on, Adrian, one day for you. You never know. But um, it's fascinating to sit and listen to that. And I just want to explore awakening leadership because for you, you're talking about that, you know, within all of us, we have 
an element of leadership. And once you really hit on this, what is my purpose, which, to be honest, some people take a lifetime to find their purpose. But once you do, you're saying that anything's possible, as long as you awaken that passion. Is that is that right? Yeah, I think anything's possible. Um, a couple of two or three things um, that are important is that the first thing is that we all have stories and conditioning um, from the past or what are we experiencing now. And, 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 and if you will, we're, we're viewing the world through those filters. Um, but once we can um, awaken beyond those stories in a way, so we can see those as not the truth and we can start to use coaching or use workshops or use learning to start to transform some of those old stories and almost break free, break free from some of that conditioning. Um, then what happens is, Jane, through that process is your self-awareness increases and then you, you can view those stories and view those emotions as not maybe part of the truth or part of you, but just you know, something that's got you to that point and then you have more choice. So with more self-awareness and more awakening beyond those stories, transforming those stories and those conflicts, then we have, I think you were saying it right at the start of this whole podcast is, you know, we have more balance and, and uh, you know, and more of a holistic view of, 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 of whole our inner world, if, if that makes sense. And that gives you then more choice because we can all have direction and purpose and goals and we can all have willpower and push forward. But actually, the paradox is if that stuff is still in the, in the way, that, that conditioning, um, those stories or some of those limiting beliefs, then we're just re- regurgitating the same stuff. So it's almost like what's in the way is the way. So, and it's not, it's not right or wrong. It's just, it's just conditioning. So transform the conditioning. Then it becomes clear where your purpose is. And then the motivation and the inspiration just drives you forward without that stuff um, in the way but the reality is when you start to go to the next level as you know when we start to access the that's next level of performance um, there will be other blocks and things come in the way and then it's just repeating the same process and taking action and refining that performance and then continuing with those self-coaching or coaching or you know analyst uh, analyzing yourself to to move those the new stories it's a constant kind of evolution if that makes sense it really does and it's it's fascinating Adrian like you having been supporting people in corporate environments where you know you've often got a a huge amount of people and you do things like um 360 assessments and people get feedback and I was always amazed at sort of somebody's assessment of themselves and how shocked they always were when they receive feedback from different perspectives and and it's fascinating so some people would you know be saying to me yeah you know I'd say what is one of your key strengths and you know for me these would be very senior people they have huge responsibilities in the organization often the you know the chief executive themselves and they would say communication is my, my number one and yet when we got any of the feedback there was no trace of the word communication so their view of what they were really good at mm-hmm. and their strength was not what was being portrayed by other people. And that they were always shocked by that. And I think your word about self-awareness is really important. You know, looking at feedback as a gift to say, look, you may think you're the greatest communicator in the world. But if other people are not saying that for whatever reason, that isn't their perception of you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that feedback is such a gift, isn't it, to get whether you give it to yourself whether you listen to other people, you know, you need a critical friend out there, don't you? Yeah, 100%. I really agree with what you just said. I think the two points of the feedback and, you know, a lot of leaders and directors want, uh, we want communication. There's always communication happening everywhere, but, you know, very powerful and, and direct and honest communication that has to, you know, come from them. And a lot of time, communic- how we communicate in corporate companies goes through a bias, right? Goes through fears. Oh, I don't quite want to say that because I want to keep my job. You know, or I don't want to quite say that because, you know, I'm the CFO and the CEO might, might sack me one day or I don't want to do that because I might upset people. So what we always do is we, we tiptoe around what we really want to say. And that keeps us in this kind of box of not being able to communicate what's really on our mind, not being able to communicate our, our needs and, and being open and honest with people. So I think the more that we can, we can encourage a safe place to, to, to share and um, people open to that feedback. That's really important. And then the self-reflection piece 
is something I don't see a, a lot out there is actually taking time out as a team and, and journaling and having a time for self-reflection. You know, what, what are we all experiencing? And also being okay with what, what you see in organisations quite a lot is people getting their little cliques. And what that, what that tends to happen is that, that, that keeps them safe in their little, their little uh, cliques. But they'll, they'll come into the, the, the clique and they'll, they'll badmouth or they'll say something about something else or they'll see an opportunity or even see an opportunity for someone to change or see this really great opportunity, but they never really go and then communicate to the person that can do something about it. So it ends up staying in these little cliques. And the more that we can break down those barriers and, and, and as you say, foster that open communication and that self-reflection, because the most important pieces that, that I've seen is that the directors and CEOs and leaders need to integrate. They can't come from that place of I'm an authoritarian and you're down there. They have to be able to do what the troops are doing in a, in a way. They have to be prepared to get stuck in in a workshop like one of the big things that I did in workshops was like there's no titles in this workshop so if you're a director or a CEO you're doing exactly the same as the the sales assistant next to them and if you don't want to do that you're not in the workshop because that's good leadership right and I think the more that we can create that equality the more that that will create a sense of belonging for for people in organizations I think that's what's missing yeah True, true democracy. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of what we're talking about here is cultural. You know, there is a mm. lot of conditioning that goes on. But um, the question I had for you, for you before we move the time machine forward is what would you tell the less experienced Adrian? Wow. So it's a really good question. I'd probably say, you know, have faith because things have a tendency to, to, to working out. And the journey, the transformational journey that we, we go on is there everyone's got their own transformational journey and it's about walking that because that is turning you or helping you become the person that in your mind's eye that you have a vision for that's helping you evolve into your highest purpose really so i would say everything's going to be okay and have faith i like it well let's move forward in this time machine um which button are you going to press i'll press the one here it's going (laughs) it's going that way (laughs) Well, let's go to 2021. We're in now. 2021, 2021 right at the beginning of 2021. So, Adrian, tell tell me what you're observing and how you're coping. Wow. So, what I've observed is we almost had everyone had a lot of structures, whether that be an organisation, a family structure, or they're running a business. So, we see those those structures which give us a level of control and a level of safety as well, um, almost like foundations. And what we've seen is a, a, a huge amount of change and value shifts. And that's across organizations, whether you work in your families, that huge value shifts. And with that, we've seen a lot of um, great things come out of it. You know, great things come out of um, the, what we've experienced uh, over the last year and then some, some, some challenging things. And I think what we've seen is a lot of people uh, furloughed and also a lot of people uh, who run coaching businesses, you know, finding it very challenging. Uh, And then also lots of people having, you know, really thriving businesses. And the real interesting thing that that I've noticed is that I think everybody has had to to stop and realize, am I happy? You know, the very simple questions, am I happy? Um, Is this the career I, uh, you know, I want? Um, where's my life going? It's really ha- got people to stop and reevaluate the direction of their life, the direction of their careers, and also foster and have m- more enjoyable times with their families. So that's one of the biggest things that, uh, that I've definitely noticed is now people reevaluating their lives. And the interesting thing is there's obviously when this big value shift changes and, and this thing changes, when people are furloughed, leave organizations, what they experience because they've never gone into that zone before uh, of out, really outside their comfort zone. Uh, a, lot of, a lot more coaches now are being employed to, to work with people redirecting their career, helping them perform again in, in their business. And also the flip side is the kind of the, the conflict and the mental health has increased, but also the desire for people to really want to be a coach coach now is has increased because interestingly enough is people i've i've noticed are like well 
this is not in reflection to all organizations, but I'm just saying what, what I've seen is people are like, well, if my organization isn't as safe as I thought it was, it was promising me security and it was promising me all these things. And now they're just furloughing me or getting rid of me. And now I've seen through that illusion a little bit. People are like, well, if that's not so secure, I could maybe start my own coaching business, whether that be on the side or whether that be full time. So I'm seeing more people now with the call to actually go out there and, and, and make a difference. So that's really, really good because more people out there are coaching now. Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm, I'm observing the same thing around coaching. I just, I'm on slight on the fence of it. Yeah. But I'm seeing some, you know, amazing things stepping up with coaching. I, I really am. I'm seeing, um, you know, I myself have had the opportunity to work with some senior members in, in the NHS and, um, because of being a qualified coach and being a place in my career where I can cope with some of the things that I've been listening to and working through with people, it, it's been incredible. But then I've also seen a lot of people sort of just going, yeah, we're coaching. And actually when I think, and when I hit, when I look at it, I think it's not really coaching. Mm. So I'm seeing it quite a big divide going on and people, you know, again, we see it time and time again in business just because we say we're doing something doesn't mean we are. Mm. So, you know, my advice to, for people would be, look, if you, you're going to do it by all means do it, but, but why not get it right? Do it properly. Think about what you're doing and what difference it can make. And you know, what, what you're looking for, what's the purpose, if you like, mm. of, of mm. coaching and making sure that you've got the right fit for what you need rather than we're ticking boxes again. Cause that, that, that's a real worry for me mm. in some of the things that I I'm observing because, uh, that's not going to get us anywhere, is it, with people? No, I think, definitely not. I think, yeah, we're, there is a, a kind of tick box exercise going on, or it's coaching is a bit of a buzzword. But to your point, I think a, a great, obviously, there's a coaching is a buzzword, and managers are encouraged to do it now. But actually, the managers that or the leaders that do coaching, it's almost like uh, really you're just mentoring. It's not actually uh, coaching. Whereas there are a, probably a group of people in an organization who have a desire for coaching so i think we've spoke about this before let some of those people really drive the coaching um if it's only you know it's better to have one volunteer than 10 press men as that's a quote from my, my dad so it's like if you've got 100 people in an organization and you've got 10 people who just love coaching want to do coaching you know develop them until the others start to see that benefit and those those managers that that, that say they're coaching and but more of a mentoring style you know just teach them mentoring and um, communication and, and then encourage them to, to to buddy up and learn from the other people that are actually doing it because I think some people want to see the real benefit of it and I can only speak from myself I mean when I was a sales manager at Nuffield Health it was an underperforming club I think you know we were like delivering a average of 50% target I think it was like a five million ter- uh, sales target a year or something like that and I, and I came in I was just like right all I'm going to do now is use the grow model. <laughs> it sounds like really simple. I did grow, I just used the grow model for two years and we, we turned the performance around uh, of a, of a, an underperforming sales team. So that is the power of coaching. But to your point, Jane, people have to, managers actually have to do it consistently and have a yeah. pride in their coaching, you know, buy a coaching book, learn it, reflect with other coaches. There has to be, as you say, a purpose and, and an intention around doing coaching. Yeah. can't be a kickbox exercise because some as you know jane when you are coaching sometimes your fears come in you have to push people through those and if you're not willing to do that yourself then the the, the coachee on the other side is never going to progress to that level that they can yeah. it is it is it's a it's a very interesting space coaching and and the question i have for you before we leave 2021 and we, we go somewhere else is um you know what advice would you give people who are looking to adapt in this climate that we're in, um, you know, looking to awakening leadership for them, what advice would you give them as an expert in this field, Adrian? Well, I think the most important thing is is, is looking at where, where your career is going, whether that be, you know, you want to run your own coaching practice one day or you're, you know, staying in an organisation, you love it because there's a lot of people doing that and that's, and that's okay. One of the things that is, is, is very important is have a look at, like, not necessarily what you want because I think that word... When you say I want something, it's, it presupposes you're lacking something. And um, so just be careful with, you know, I want more money or I want these things. But just have a, just, just take stock with a, with a notepad and, and, and ask yourself, you know, where are you going? 
you know, where are you going that would really inspire you and, and just let your pen kind of flow and let all your ideas flow through. And I pick two of the three things that are most important to you on that, on that thing, you know, where are you going? And it could be the next year, two or three years. Uh, and one thing that really worked for me is because I think there's so much distraction out there and people get, you know, see something shiny and new and they end up, you know, just going around in circles. One of the most important things is really focus. You know, Jane, if you want to be a, a, an inspirational speaker, um, which you already are, but if you wanted to do that, for instance, that was a goal for you in the next three years. It's being really intentional. What are the two or three things, skills, whether that be personally or whether that be actual, you know, skills with other people, does Jane need to master to, to arrive in that place? And then it's just being really intentional and building your week and your month around harnessing those skills. So one of the things that I noticed, I'll give to speak from my um, example. So just to recap, it's where are you going? Picking the two or three things that inspire you the most. And whatever that time frame is, a loose time frame, what are two or, the three, two or three things, skills, behaviors, and habits do you need to develop consistently every week to get you to that point? I'll give you an example. When I got into learning and development, um, I knew that that was helping refine my skill in coaching, but I knew one day I wanted to start my own business and wanted to do speaking. But I realized at that time that one of my biggest fears from when I was seven was public speaking. So I knew that down the line that I was going to do learning and development and I was going to be, have my own coaching business one day. And I, and I realized that speaking was a big part of that, not just for that, but also within my role. So then what I decided to do is go to Toastmasters, which is a speaker's club. And that also helped with the sense of belonging community that was important and connecting with other people. But what that did is it forced my fear to, to speak. And then from that, I've done loads of like talks for over 200 people doing a podcast now. So you can see how that would, would, would work. And what I would do with a bit of advice, I'd say, don't get too downheartened. I mean, it took me like five times going to Toastmasters. Like I got the bus there every week and I sat in the audience. I said, who wants to speak? And I was like, no. And, you know, and then four times I went back and then said, yeah. who wants to speak? And I did it. And I pushed through that. So I'd say anyone that's, that, that's going somewhere, I'd encourage you to just take small steps and those small steps will increment to, to where you want to go. What great advice, Adrian. So self-coach you know, look at the, you know, the grow model is a great place to start for people. There's so much stuff available for free for people to, to have a look out there, isn't there? And just, mm. you know, nail those one or two things yeah. um, that you need, because often people have got too many. Yeah. Make sure they really are, you know, realistic things that you can do. Yeah. And yeah. then just take steps forward yeah. um, and, and just keep going um, and yeah. be tenacious about it. What a great story. And I'm smiling from ear to ear because I think about the, the journey from, from when you and I first met to today. Yeah. And it's amazing to see you fulfilling part of what you're, I know you're on a journey and I know, it, you know, you're, you're part way there. But it's great to see some of those things that you had at that time coming to, to fruition. And, it, and it's really good. But let's get into this time machine again and move forward. We're going to go to 2030. So we've arrived at 2030. And if you listen to the um, people that predict this stuff with, with, with as much accuracy as they can, people like McKinsey, Deloitte, etc., etc., they are predicting that there'll be less people full-time employed. Mm. We'll have very different work lives that we do today. They'll be much more entwined. Um, Organisations will have um, contingent gig workers so that's a very different place for L&D and coaching Adrian isn't it so um tell me about what you foresee in 2030 and what are your hopes and wishes for, for the industry that you and I work in yeah the interesting thing is great minds think alike because <laughs> I you asked me what um what um date I would go to and I put 2030 here <laughs> Well, we can still go there. It's fine. We can still go to 2030. So the 2030 thing, I think it was really interesting that you say that there's going to be a lot of changes, you know, around working and work-life balance and stuff. But um, one of the things, the interesting things on here is that they said the ageing world will increase by 45% and there'll be more over 60s by 2030, apparently, on one of the um, mega trends, which is, you know, really quite interesting. So my initial thought was 
you know, if I had a wise head on me now, if I had a, a 60 year old head on me now, where would I look at the industry, you know, you know, going? And I think what, what we're seeing now is, is a huge shift for people looking for more of a sense of belonging. Uh, they're looking for more of a purpose led work. They're looking for more of an evolution. And that's something that we spoke about is lifelong learning and, and how companies uh, do that. And that learning, I think, has to be integrated with revenue as well. It has to have a way where it's not this extern- this add-on uh, and thing. So I think, you know, if it was 2030, wouldn't it be amazing if actually managers and leaders were incentivized uh, and their salary included? Yes, you have to hit your sales number. Yes, you have to hit your learning metrics and also your coaching metrics. And it was intertwined into a more of a holistic uh, approach as well. And And there's a lot of people, you know, that when they start to evolve and change, organizations put a huge amount of pressure on them. People have a fear of losing their jobs, a fear of, um, you know, fear of not getting promoted, all these types of uh, things. Wouldn't it be wonderful if, you know, companies um, were targeted on their mental well-being? So that was a real um, big focus. Because I remember playing, you know, playing rugby, holistic performance was massive. You know, we had pigs and troughs, like when we performed, we performed on the weekend and in sometimes in the week but wouldn't it be amazing if the the companies were incentivized uh, around coaching around learning around holistic performance so people's energy their emotional well-being their mental and spiritual well-being were being fostered as well and then you'd get such more inspired and and fulfilled employees and i think a really important piece is when i was um, you know in the army one of the things we focus on is equality everyone gets treated the same and i think that is a a lifeblood of teams, lifeblood of organisations, because with equality creates a sense of belonging. Uh, I think that's it's important. Um, I think the younger people can teach the CEOs a lot. Um, so you know, creating as much cross integration as 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 humanly possible is massively important. And also something that I that I read uh, recently was there's a company in America. I can't remember the exact company, but I think they make something to do with fruit um, vegetables. Uh, they're in America. And what they do, they don't have an owner. They have one person who, whose class is known. They don't have any directors. They don't have any titles. They don't have any managers. Everyone just has, uh, fits in and has like a, a kind of job role. And at the end of the year, the, the, the collective vote on who stays and who hasn't, been pulled their, who hasn't been pulling their weight. You know, those people that have been bad-mouthing and, and, and pulling apart the team and being lazy, everyone votes on who stays and who's been lazy. And then they, they remove the people that have been, you know, that have been really uh, bad, untrusting and, and disingenuous and they keep the collective and then they go uh, along. So very tribal uh, kind of mentality. But I suppose something that come to mind when you ask that question as well, Jane, is like th- there's a talk that, I, that I've done. It's called Who Are You That's More Than Your Title? And there's a bit of a kind of spiritual essence under it. And not a religious essence, but a spiritual essence that we all have a, you know, a spirit. Um, uh, we're, we're all kind of guided by that. And that comes into purpose, right? And we all have that, that, that spirit within us. And um, that when we can awaken that, we can be more than what our title suggests. Because what I see is a lot of people come into organizations, they have titles, they have director roles, and then they try to act those, those things out. And it comes across as very in, inauthentic. So I think the more people can be, who they really are and more than that title, the person behind that and be that in an organization, that's what's really going to drive organizations first. And that's pseudo leadership is pretend leadership. You know, I've got a, you know, an EMAA director, CEO, CFO, that doesn't matter. Who are you beneath that? Who are you behind that title and be that person now? That's my, that's my biggest advice. And if we can do that, that'd be a, a great evolution. So a whole business model change for you. Mm. You're thinking big. I like it, Adrian. Thinking big. Fabulous. We always go there. Um, and, and, you know, absolutely. And, you know, um, wouldn't it be amazing if people were rewarded and recognised for all the things that you mentioned mm. there, rather than they were rewarded and recognised for ticking boxes mm. and um, all of those kind of things. I love that. Now, I, I, I'm going to be really brave and hand this time machine over to you. Now, are we going back to 2030 or are we going somewhere else, young man? I think we'd like to, I'd like to go, uh, you know, uh, to 2021, back to that and, and, and explore your thoughts on 
you know, the tw 2021 and the next couple of years, where we're evolving to, because obviously we've had a big shift and everyone's looking for a sense of belonging. People have questioned the direction of our life. And I suppose it'd be great to have a conversation with you around, you know, the next couple of years, where's it, where is this all going and, you know, what does it all mean? I love it. So we're going back to 2021. Mm. Amazing. Right. So let's go back to the present day. So uh, shall I start with a question then and then we can sure. both answer it? Um, I think a great question that we should be asking ourselves at the moment is what, you know, how can we as professionals in this space make a different and better uh, place for future generations? Because for me, I, I, I don't see us asking that question enough. Um, so I'd like to really ask us that question, Adrian, about, you know, how can we be responsible for future generations being measured on that and making it a better place to work? Imagine starting a job or going to university in this climate today. It's not good. Or being furloughed or being made redundant if you'd started an amazing apprenticeship or you were a graduate and that is really happening that's the world that we're creating for our younger generations and i would like to talk about how we can change that yeah that's a great that's a really good question and as you were speaking i was thinking what would kids do <laughs> <laughs> i you totally know? agree with you uh what do we think they would do because i mean you the way that you were talking just then about different business models is is i was like yeah take me there i want to work I want to work with you. That sounds great. So how do we make this a better place to work and live for future generations? Really, rather than keep talking about it, what yeah. action do we need to take? I think the most one of the most important things is, um, you know, in the education part, I think one of the most important things is, um, I mean, there's that Albert Einstein quote, which is, is, is um, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree and spend its whole life thinking it's stupid. I think it's very important uh, to help kids at school, even younger, not necessarily say, you know, this is your career and you should go for this career, but just explore two or three options or, or things that they would like to do. And I think it's very important if a child at that point says, you know, I want to be a speaker, I want to be an actor, or, you know, I want to be, uh, have my own business. It's, I think as adults, we put a lot of limitations on kids. Um, you know, you hear a lot of stories. I heard a lot of stories on a podcast where teachers have said, oh, you'll never be able to do that. You know, we, we, we put our limitations on, on onto people. Uh, and obviously, some of those limitations, they drive you because you want to prove people wrong. But I think the more that in schools we can encourage, you know, looking at people's direction of their life and, and honing the education. And so it's more like a journey for somebody. So they go along that journey and they pick up the skills, like I was speaking about earlier, to help them arrive in that place. And then we're just going to get more kind of, I would say, skilled people in a sense where their strengths are at play more often. And, you know, they're, they're, they're more purposeful and they understand the direction of their life. Because what you've got to realise is that that direction isn't set. So if you get to 10 or 20 years, you can change the direction. Um, it's not that course for, you know, forever. So start with where you want to go now. And if that changes when you're 30, you know, that, that, that's fine. So I think in answer to your question, schools have to kind of have more tailored learning and universities have to change, change the game as well, because, you know, going into university now, it's just about, you know, having fun, getting drunk and all those kind of great things. Yeah, great. But how is that helping someone? Um, is that degree helping that person become a coach, become a speaker, become an actor, whatever that might be, or they're just going to do a geography degree or a sociology degree because someone said that. So it's very important that we're very intentional with our, with our, with our learning. And then when we come into organisations, we hire people based on what they're exceptional at. And we, we fit them into the team, you know. When you're in the army or you're in rugby, you've got a position. And you, you, if you're a winger, you're different to a number eight. If you're a rifleman, you're different to an engineer. Um, and then those units work highly, really effectively. So it's very important to, to be able to house those people within an organization and also give, when people come into those organizations in the future, I would say that we've got to reverse engineer it a little bit because yes, it's going now e-learning, which I'm a big fan of, but actually we need more interaction, like hands-on learning more. We, we need to come back. Uh, we need to come back a little bit because I think sometimes in organizations, we use e-learning as just the, the box ticker. And it's like, oh, go and do your course on, on um, lynda.com or whatever. 
But actually what we need to do is we need to upskill those, those managers on and those leaders on really being exceptional at two or three things. So when the, that new talent, that new crop or that new stream of, of, of younger people come through, is that they're skilled to develop the, the, those people. But also those new people come in and they've then been spending two or three, you know, all their life honing those skills. Then you've got a supersonic team and then you've just increased the kind of the, the, the levels here. Then you just increase that skill, that ability level. Um, and I think a big piece coming forward will be more self-awareness around your patterns and your emotions and that emotional capacity to have, you know, direct, honest, open conversations. And the, 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 the kicker is if organisations could get into a way of not making people reliant on their salary, that they're so fearful of losing their jobs, if they could, if they could work w- with that, that would help alle- alleviate a lot of fears that I think people have and actually focus on the job at, at hand. And I think more stringency around bullying in the workplace and, uh, and mental health. And I think if we can tie up those things, I think we'd have uh, an amazing workforce, which would be really focused on creativity, you know, creating, because organizations spend millions on innovation and creativity. But I'm wondering how much they incentivize the workforce on creating new ideas they're on the coalface they know what's going on and it's directors being more open to what's coming from the floor even if it's someone working you know doing admin and, and a pa and being more open to to that so that's the environment of, of creativity i i really like what you were saying there adrian i think that we do have to plant these seeds much earlier and I, I, what what when we think about future generations and and we're much we're much better at this when we're younger is to be adaptive were schools open, schools shut, universities open, shut, businesses open, shut. And I think we have to get used to being able to adapt and being comfortable with, with those kind of environments. And I think that the times, types of capabilities that we need to help people with as part of education, uh, right from when we start, you know, at home, being educated at home, or with mentors, you know, aunts, uncles, friends around us, all the way through to to what work ends up being is that those capabilities need to be uh, much more enduring. You know, they've got to be less about, can I um, add two and two? Those things are, are also important, but actually, you know, we still don't teach young people how to manage money as an example. And the evidence shows you that most people in their first job do not manage money very well in that, mm. that first year of working when they do get work. Um, so, you know, I think those are the sort of things that we need to start helping the younger generations with. The, the other area is well-being, of course. We don't talk about how important it is to look after your your nutrition and um, your health and your headspace and all of those mm-hmm. things that come under this huge That's umbrella of health and well-being. We sort of sprinkle a little bit of PE in one afternoon and think that, that that's okay. It's I have seen pockets of the most amazing brilliant things with teachers but it's not consistent enough coming back to something that you spoke about earlier and I think there's different parts of the world where maybe we could learn more about how to bring that strength that inner strength that you need when you can cope with the kind of way that life is tossing and turning us um wherever we are born in the world you know we've we've, there's all sorts of things going on I think it's really interesting let me ask you the question about women that I ask everybody Adrian it'd be interesting with um uh where you are in your career but but the the pandemic particularly has impacted opportunities for women more than ever Mm. so we you know they, they were actually the opportunities for women were growing to become more equal quite slowly they started quite fast and then they've been quite slow particularly over the last decade but now they've started to go backwards again you know, what advice would you give to to women um, as they're trying to become more more equal? What you know, what have you learned, and where have you seen women really cut through stuff and get somewhere? Because the onus has got to be put on all of us, isn't it? Men, women, themselves, organisations, other yeah. um, institutions. But what advice would you give to women who are trying to sort of, if you like, grow their careers, make more impact at a senior level? Yeah, it's really an interesting perspective because I was working with this female recently um, 
and that person had um, decided to do a TED talk and um, they decided to do a TED talk. The TED talk was in, you know, 12 months and they were really infused by doing this, but they hadn't gone through that, that fear. They hadn't, they hadn't pushed through that, that fear. Um, and I remember taking them to, to Toastmasters and they said, you know, can you help me speak? And I said, yeah, sure. So I, I, I took them to, to Toastmasters and um, uh, they were petrified of speaking and they were petrified of, of growing and, and, and to that next level. And I think th- this story will show that some of the, the power, the innate power that, that, that women have um, to make a huge contribution, a huge difference. Um, there's so many amazing coaches out there and the more that women can actually embody what they really love and be okay with that, the more that they'll thrive because women bring a completely different perspective, you know, to, to meetings and as leaders, they have, they they can see things men can't, they come from more of a kind of heart led place. And I think that's massively important to, to be able to come from that heart led space. And when I was working with this client, they were petrified of speaking in, in front of the audience and they said, you know, what should I do? And I got up and spoke and they said, oh, my God, you're so confident. I said, well, actually, I'm still got fear inside. I just use that fear to, 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 to move forward. And I said, are you going to go up and speak? And they said, no, I'm too scared. I said, well, you've got two choices. And I said, she, uh, she said, what's that? I said, you can either be scared, sat down here or scared, stood up there. So it's really uh, the advice I give to women is really challenging yourself um, to actually to overcome those fears or to challenge yourself to that, to that next level that males are more masculine and obviously the, the feminine, the masculine energy. If we just look at that, I would say that when I look at groups on social media or, or in general, I see a lot of biases. We're a man's group. We're a woman's group, but I don't think that's the, that's always the best answer. We need to be able to integrate and have conversations together. We need to le- we need to be able to learn from each other and we need to let go of those biases that we've kept for so many years um, and just be more open to learning, um, you know, f- from each other. So I think that's an important piece is that we, we both need each other and we both, we both can learn. So number one, the biggest advice I, I would give is the advice I said before is looking at where, what, where your career is going. Taking out males, females and looking inward. You know, where are you going? Who do you aspire to be? What, what do you love? What, what sets your soul on fire? What kind of work? Make progress towards that yes on that journey there's going to be some fears along the way and that's part of the process uh, coming to our fit you know towards our fears people getting annoyed with us people loving us people leaving our lives people coming into our lives that's just part of that that journey and also comes with that a lot of success as well and i would say to all women just be prepared to to go on that journey that when you want to change that is part of the process and and just be okay with that because that's evolving you towards the, the, the woman that you want to be. And if I look at my life, that's what's, you know, from the time in Menorca up until now is, is what's got me here now. And I, was, I would say my biggest advice was a big thing that I learned and I was very masculine focused. I was very like military and rugby. And I realized that that doesn't always work. You've got to be able to have that, that feminine energy side and that openness and that empathy and that understanding as well as that drive and willpower. And I would say to, to females and women listening is try and focus on a balance of both. You know, it's, it's all about balance. It gives you more perspective. And, and also, instead of creating divide, try and create unity because um, that's what's going to help us evolve, uh, evolve the world. It's not, being about, it's not about being better than somebody or lesser than somebody. It's just about you and it's about where are you going and what's your journey and also be okay with working with a coach. I would say that, as you know, Jane, people investing in coaches, whoever that coach be, um, invest in coaching. And my biggest advice if, um, for females looking for a coach, don't always look for a coach that you've known for you know, thousands of years. Look for a coach that will challenge you to get to that, that, that next level a little bit. And uh, So that's my, my, my kind of advice. What great advice, Adrian. I'm sure that our listeners will will listen to you. Now, before I let you out of this time machine, I have one final question for you, which is coming back to your passion for awakening leadership 
Is yeah. there anything else that you'd like to tell listeners before before we leave? Yeah, I think with we spoke a lot around self awareness. So within our careers, our business, there's 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 pressure. Obviously, if we want to we want to perform, and it's very important to create a holistic view of your life, not just you know say to people, yeah, I do yoga, or yes, I do meditation, or yes, I read, or yes, I do fitness, but making sure that 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 is scheduled within your life as, as well as your meetings. So if you've got a meeting with somebody, a sales call, or if you've got a business meeting, which is really important to you, and that's scheduled at two o'clock, and you haven't scheduled your fitness at nine o'clock, you don't see that, that importance. And those elements like the health and fitness, eating right, meditating, creating creative outlets that push you, whether that's music, whether that's speaking, all those things within a month period enable you to be a better, a better leader and they awaken something within you like a new inspiration and, and, and leadership uh, that you wouldn't have if you were just going through the motions meeting after meeting because doing that leads to unfulfillment. It, it leads to kind of that feeling of not be, feeling fully alive and the more that we can foster those, those things are important and also space with family and friends it's being intentional it's, it's planning your whole month yes around your business but around all of those things so we're looking at our our life from a holistic point of view and what i've what i found is with working with people and in, in uh, by myself we're just able to to perform better we're able to have better coaching sessions better meetings better daily energy and we just feel like that a sense of vitality and that's on us to do that Adrian, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your words of wisdom today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the People Who Know Work Life podcast. Uh, There's lots more podcasts for you to explore. We've also got lots of articles, research and experts for you to find. Um, Amazing, inspiring people like Adrian. So don't forget to look at the People Who Know website. But Adrian, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you very much, Jane. It's always great to catch up and we always have really in-depth conversations um, and, and also very inspiring. So hopefully people that are listening, uh, have, have listened, have got some real inspirations and new ideas for their careers and, and for their business. Absolutely. It's our only intention, Adrian. Thank you so much.